You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here back on Parenting Our Future. I am so excited. You know, I get so excited when I have guests on and today is no exception. I have Stephanie Malia Krause here and she's a mom. She's an educator and a social worker. She is here to talk about her debut book, which I'm so excited about all of you knowing about, which is called Making It What Today's Kids Need for Tomorrow's World. Let's be honest, there's a lot about tomorrow's world that we need to get our head around, right? Um, And so this came out on March the 3rd today uh, on our launch day here we are it's march the 9th when we launched this episode and so her audiobook just came out today too so that's super exciting more about stephanie she's also a senior advisor to jobs for the future and a staff consultant for the youth transition funders group so she is a subject matter expert in all things parenting and mental health and wellness so welcome stephanie i'm so excited to have you here Robin, thanks so much for having me as a fellow mom and traveler. It is really good to be with you today. So great. So, so great. So tell me a little bit about your book and what made you write this? Because I think it's so topical and so important. So I'm so glad you asked, like, what specifically made me write this? Because there is a real um, particular reason about eight years ago. So I have two boys, they're 10 and almost eight. He would tell you he is eight, but he's not yet. Um, I transitioned from local work. I was running a school and had been a teacher before into national work. And Mm -hmm. so I left the education front lines while I was also raising my kids at the same time. They were so little, they were two Mm -hmm. and a, a newborn baby. And over the last eight years, I've been privy to so many conversations and rooms of researchers and experts and funders and young people and leaders that I didn't even know existed when I was teaching and running a school. You know, conversations that were happening around what do we now know about how kids are developing or um, the new science of adolescence or how is the workforce changing? And as the years went on, I started to feel more and more conflicted because I imagined what would life have been like if I'd stayed in the classroom? And Mm -hmm. what I have actually known as I was trying to prepare my students and trying to raise my kids, that life in adulthood was changing in really extreme ways, that college, universities, post-secondary options, jobs, the economy um, was really very different. And so a couple of years ago, I decided that I wanted to write my love letter back to the front lines that Mm -hmm. I saw um, as a mom who was sort of still in the thick of it, the difference between what my kids were learning in school and what I knew they would need in adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to lift up the research and all of these stories that I had gathered from across the country and across the world, really, um, from youth development and education and medicine and public health and the workforce um, and just kind of write 
hopefully a, a book where someone feels like we're sitting down, we're having a cup of coffee or tea together, and mm -hmm. we can dig into all of the things. So this covers the pandemic, it covers racial uprisings, it covers mental health, it covers, um, I think most importantly, what does it look like to help kids navigate a world that continues to be unfair and hard and broken? And can they carve out a decent and good life for themselves, even as we work with them to try and build a better world? You know, and how do you do, how do you do both? How do you, especially as we think about the pandemic um, and we think about these kids that we love so dearly, like how do you make sure they have what they need to survive when it's hard? as you are working equally hard to make sure that they have the opportunities to thrive and the need to attend to both because we can't, we can't predict exactly what's gonna happen. And in fact, as 2020 showed us and the pandemic has showed us, I think there will be a number of occasions where things feel like real surprises and real intense shifts that were done to us. Um, and so that's, that's kind of all of the reasons. So the mama heart mm. and the professional field experience um, and getting the word back to the front lines for, for parents and educators and, and really anybody who's, who's raising or working with young people. Yeah, wow. There was a lot in what you just said there. And I was taking notes furiously because I, I'm, I'm hanging on your every word here. Now, um, I, I, have, I have some questions. I have some things to say. And I want to start with just one of the things that you just said. You said that, you know, we're, and look, we really don't know what the future is, is really has in store for our kids. The world is changing so quickly. And the jobs that our kids will be having aren't even invented yet. You know, like we can't even conceptualize necessarily what they are. But when you talk about big shifts, mm -hmm. uh, sort of the last thing you said, big shifts that are sort of done to us, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so good question. When I think about tomorrow's world and these things that are happening, I think there are two things to point out, and they both are in the book. So the one is like, what is the world in which our kids have been growing up in? And one of the things I talk about is that they are both digital natives and disruption natives. So, you know, and I, I dig into it more in the book, but for anybody who has kiddos who were born after 2007, it's probable that those announcements were made on Facebook, that these kids have digital footprints that started before they were even born and they don't know life without smart technology. They weren't here before the smartphone and social media and all of those pieces. Um, and so there's that nativity status. They sort of go in and out of the digital world and the analog world, um, so to speak, and always have. Mm -hmm. On the disruption native side, though, one of the things that happened as I was writing was I began reflecting on what has my kids lived experience been. Um, and I should mention that I have my two boys and that my godchildren have lived with us on and off across their lives, summers and, and other periods of time. My children are white, my godchildren are black. And I have seen as they've gotten older, how the day-to-day -day realities of how they experience the world and how the world experience and treats them has changed um, and is changing in, uh, increasingly as they get older. 
So I bring that up for a very specific reason. I think in this last year, we've seen a confluence of a, a number of different things come to a head. Obviously, we have the pandemic, a global pandemic that scientists would have said was coming, um, yep. but really still felt like a shock for many of us. <laughs> then, um, especially here, you know, I know you're in Canada and, and you all certainly have a, a long history, particularly with indigenous communities um, of, of racism and, and struggle. We've got our own in the state, sort of the American brand of, of really harmful racism. And so you've got centuries old racism that meets up with a global pandemic mm. and then the economic crisis. And, and, you know, in the past few months, of course, we've seen, we had a political insurgency here and, and deep divisions. And so then you look at through the eyes of, of these kids and this is their lived experience and whoever they are, whatever their race or identities, um, wherever they're living, this is their childhood. And what we know about the brain is that these experiences are wiring and rewiring them for what to expect. Um, and so for my children, there are other moments that stick out. My one son, and I talk about this in the book, his very first bus ride as a little kindergartner was to practice for an active shooter. And oh his baby God. brother said, you know, I would just climb into a a backpack mama. I, you know, it was magical thinking. I would hide from a shooter by climbing in the backpack. Mm -hmm. um, for, for high school seniors last year uh, in the States, they started kindergarten. So those little, little guys um, in the middle of the great recession. And now they're graduating in the middle of COVID. So it's, you know, they're bookended by these deep crises. Um, and so these things are, they're happening to them. You know, they are unable to control um, a pandemic coming and shutting down their schools or stealing their senior year or um, the impacts that that has on their family. You know, have their, have their parents or caretakers been able to keep a job, keep a house, keep paying the bills? Has their school been able to reopen? And then if it reopened, was it reopened safely? Um, you know, what other sort of health or, or wellness challenges came up as a result. I say all of that, not for being a doomsday prophet, but to say, like, as parents, we owe it to our kids to get really brutally honest that this is happening, and it's real, and that this level of disruption and volatility will follow them into the future. There's no there may not be a global pandemic next year, but there could be, um, you know, extreme weather events that impact the community where you live and change things. There could be another pandemic that is worse or better, all of these other pieces. And so I think the challenge for us as moms, besides getting our kids the education they need or the services they need is, um, how do you prepare your kids for a world like that? You know, both as kids and then when they're grownups. And if that is, if that is the reality or partial, you know, realities that come up over and again, how do you create a space in which they can still enjoy life and have a decent life? You know, mm -hmm. here is reality and here is the one and only life you get. And here are the resources we have.
And how are we going to take our power back and get you what you need to be okay? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that that is so good. And so really what you're saying is yes, they are they are the digital natives, the disruption natives, right? And as parents, we're pioneering through this time with them too, especially the digital world. I say it all the time, like we are the pioneers, right? And uh, and so this is you know, what they've seen just in their lifespan, you're absolutely right, has been a lot of a lot of unrest and a lot of a lot of stuff. And what do we do to make sure that they thrive? That they have resilience because there's things that are true that are negative but there's things that are also true that are beautiful and positive and wonderful and so really your message and and my message too is a message of hope right that but we have to be real about what's happening is that is that accurate for me to say that that's what you're you're saying i think it is because the reality is they don't know anything different this right. is what they know. And um, we know different. We remember life before smartphones and we remember life without a year of school wearing masks and being at home. Um, and so it might feel like a loss for us. And, and there is plenty of grief and loss about this past year that we can go into and talk about the implications. But there's also the reality of just um, understanding that this is, this is their life. And this will continue to look like life for them as they move into what could be a very long life. Um, and so how do we as parents enter in and take good care of ourselves? Because it's happening to us too. We're mm. feeling the overwhelm. We're feeling the overload. We're feeling the impact of this kind of opened up world that feels um, different. And it's changing really fast. You know, we're experiencing it as well. So how do we journey with the kids through that? And then to your point in terms of hope, I actually think there is a lot that we do already that we can up and really prioritize that's more important than it ever was before. That gives the kids not only the stability, but the chance to flourish. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so I wanna take what you've just said. I wanna kind of um, go and, and break some of this down. So, um, you know, okay. one of the things that uh, you're, you're talking about is like, we know what it's like to not be like this, right? We know what life was like. I remember getting up and turning the channel on the TV. That's, that's you know, that's, that's my, my memory. Um, and so, so here's the thing though, this is a lot of stress, a lot of overwhelm and parents are feeling it. And there is a mental health crisis for both parents, adults, and children. And so um, I do want to touch on that. I want to touch on that a little bit. And, and look, in, in all, in all um, honesty and transparency, there are mental health challenges in my own family. I have, you know, I've struggled with depression myself. And, uh, and I have a child that struggles with mental health as well. So this is really real, not just for me, but I know for millions of people. So what's going on and, and you know, what can we do to help? Um, let's start with the adults and then let's, let, let's, let's then talk about the kids if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to what I was just talking about around the overwhelm. Okay. I think that there are a couple of important things for us as the adults to remember and to really practice compassion um, and self-care around. 
our brains and bodies were not designed for this moment. Um, and it's a strange thing to say, but cognitively, our, our brains are operating in a world where if you think about it from the iPhone, have you ever had a, a smartphone and it's getting old and it starts to slow down and you know that you're like ready for an upgrade, right? It, it's turning off on you. It's glitchy. So yeah. unfortunately, that's kind of what's happening to our brains right now. We are assailed by information, right? And demands and so much. Um, I, in the book, I call it like information obesity. Like we are saturated with mm. demands and it's making us sick. And, um, and so the ability to process this mm. feeling of being overwhelmed and overloaded in the world that we're operating in right now takes grace and discipline a heck of a lot of self-care and self-forgiveness. Um, so that's the one piece I'll say, which is like, if it feels busy, it's because it is. The second is that there are a number of people in the field who've been talking about the traumatic impact of this year. And it's traumatizing for all of us. And then it becomes more traumatizing depending on your proximity to different pain points. So if you're in the States and you're a person of color, as you've seen racial violence as a parent and thought about your kids and your family and people you love and care about and people who look like you with similar cultures and identities, there is fear and anxiety and trauma lodging there, in addition to experiences you were having already, or if you had someone who got COVID, or if you can imagine the kind of stacking of different yeah. adversities. Um, but we haven't talked enough about grief and loss. And so one of the other things that I would just offer to parents is like, grief is messy. It comes up at really, um, Oh, unwelcome times. <laughs> it's hard to bundle and decide when you're going to feel grief and how it's going to look. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you were mentioning before the show, I, I've been in recovery from addiction for 20 years. Mm. I just celebrated 20 years. Congratulations. And thank you. And I've been thinking a lot about what are the lessons that we can learn from recovery? Like, friends, we are recovering from from a deep loss and set of losses inside of it. So I think the second piece that I would um, encourage folks besides, you know, like if you feel busy, it really is. And the overload and overwhelm is real is not only have we been through a series of traumatizing events, but we are all experiencing at different levels and in different ways and ways of messiness, grief, and loss. Um, and then the third is that confluence of events. You know, if you've lost a job, if you've been economically stressed, if you've just been fearful about the pandemic and the world and your kids, and I know I have, oh my God, Ooh. have I, mm -hmm. if you have any proclivity then toward mental health issues, mm -hmm. even if it never manifested, there's a big likelihood that you've struggled at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the question is, how do you care for yourself? So I think one of the things I would offer, Robin, is that in this moment of cognitive, mental overwhelm and overload, situational stress, trauma, grief, and loss, 
um, attending to our mental health is of supreme importance. And that adage of put your oxygen mask on first has never been more important than it is now. I would say as a transition point, because I know we've got a, a couple other questions to get to, like our kids are watching and they have got to know that mental health is as important as physical health. I, um, when I was researching the book, so I spent about two years writing the book. So some of this was pre-pandemic. I was doing these interviews. So I was talking to people I knew, people I didn't know, professors, doctors, pediatricians, researchers, teachers, and every single one brought up the significance of mental health issues and the rapid rise of mental health issues for kids. And now we've just compressed them in a scary, anxiety-filled, uncertain year. It's been a year. And so I think I would say to anybody listening that if you're not, if you are experiencing your own mental health concerns, make them visible to a degree that is healthy and not harmful to your kids. So they know it's okay to talk about it, to get help for it, uh, that they know it's okay if they're having it. If you're not experiencing it, this is the time to educate yourself because the likelihood that your kids will experience some le level of mental health harm, stress, issues, something diagnosable is through the roof. Um, it is simply, you know, it's again, one of those just realities that we need to ground ourselves in. And it's like any other thing as a parent, if you find out something's wrong with your kid, your kid is sick, something has happened, you're scared. And then you're like, okay, I've got to learn everything I can. Like I am this kid's advocate. This is my time. And so what I would say to parents right now is as somebody who spends, I spend my time thinking about sort of now and next, what do my kids need right now? And what do kids need right now? What will they need next? That if you're experiencing mental health or your kid is, getting the treatment and having that be as valuable and important as, as protecting your physical health has been in the pandemic mm -hmm. is step one. And then if you are, if you're lucky in that that's not been a struggle this year, carve out time to educate yourself so you know the signs, you know what to do, you know who your resources and supports would be um, mm -hmm. if your kid needed help or if you needed help. Mm. Wow, that's that's really, really important. And, and what I got from all of what you just said is, look, as the parents, our kids are watching us. And so we need to be as strong and stable as we can be, because what, what that does is allows our kids to be safe and lean into us, right? And so if we are not uh, able to have our kids lean into us because we're not strong and stable right now, we need to take care of ourselves right away, right? First. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. Um, that's really important. And, and we do that with taking care of our mental health, but we also do it with the things, like you said, that we're already doing. So having some, um, you know, self-compassion, right? Self-care and self-care and self-compassion are different, right? Um, forgiveness too is, they're all slightly different, right? I mean, self-compassion says that we balance out negative thoughts versus positive thoughts. It also says that like making mistakes and falling flat on your face is a shared human condition, right? And, uh, and that is, so let's not 
you know, let's just know that it's okay. We can, we can move on from that because we all make mistakes. We all fall flat on our face. Um, and then also grace, having grace for ourselves, right? Being able to say, and grace for each other. You know, this world is complicated. We are dealing with very polarizing topics right now. And, um, you know, look, the world has watched what's happening in the United States in terms of the election and the Black Lives Matter movement and um, the insurrection and all of those things and more, you know, that, that are going on. And, um, and, and even, even within my own, you know, my own group of friends and family, you know, those are polarizing topics here too right? Even just talking about those. So having grace for each other, listening to each other, I think is really important and tuning into yourself. And I think what that also means is acknowledging that this is a trauma there mm -hmm. and, and making some space for some quiet to just check in with yourself. How are you feeling right now? What is going on with you right now? Are you scared? Are you anxious? And let's be honest, anxiety is uh, is an old programming in our brain to keep us alive, right? Because there is a threat, and actually there is a threat right now. So anxiety is is actually appropriate, and it'll wear you down if you live in a state of fight, flight, and freeze, right? In a state of anxiousness. So you've got to take care of yourself too, right? Um, so I really love everything that you said, and and I think that putting putting that emphasis on grief and loss, you know, so many people are dealing with grief and loss of a loved one, you know, if you, and the stacking, like you said, stacking those all up and then you live in Texas and you've had no power. And, if, you know, I mean, can you imagine having all of those things, lost your job, lost a loved one from COVID, um, you know, all, oh my gosh, all of those things, it's devastating. And your kids are watching all the and while. You know, I would say one other thing, one of the things that I talk about in making it and would encourage folks to dig in deep with, the idea is that, and this goes for us as grownups and then our kids, um, we don't have the promise of economic or societal stability right now. Things feel unstable. So in the absence of that, we've got to work aggressively toward social stability, offering that to ourselves and to our kids. Um, there are different kinds of relationships that I talk about in the book that really matter. And one of those are our lifelines, like who are the people who are doing life with us? If we have a kid who comes to us, one of my kids came to me and he was having some really scary thoughts. And in my brain, all the alarm bells are going off and I'm projecting, does this mean he's going to hurt himself? What does this mean it's going to look like when he's 15? Is he going to have a long and happy life? I'm doing all the mom worry things and I'm schooling my face and I'm looking at this kid and I'm saying, thank you so much for telling me I've got you. I am on your team. You know, I want you to keep talking to me, but I am furiously texting girlfriends on the other side yeah. saying, I'm scared. You know, mm -hmm. is he okay? Is this normal? What should I do? And so mm -hmm. I would also just offer as one kind of last piece of this part that we're talking about, like we need each other. We mm -hmm. need, so making it is really around like the roadmap for navigating life. What it doesn't talk about as much as um, some of the other writing I do around like thriving is the mm -hmm. need for community and company 
regardless of how you are getting it is high. And you've yeah. got to have folks in your life. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if it's in person or online who you can check in and sort of check yourself with and also check in around your kids um, because there's an element of um, like wayfinding. We are pioneering. No one's ever done this in this way before. And so the need for us as parents to be in relationship and in conversation with parents at a similar stage yeah. um, is crucial. And then similarly for our kids, the need for them to continue to have friendships and relationships with folks who are in similar stages and, and ages um, is really important because the experience is developmental, it's situational, and, and we need folks who are different from us, but we also need folks who are trudging the road with us. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and I'll tell you, you know, a, a little experience too, that just, um, so my son, I have a son with, with OCD and we were in a group program together uh, last summer and just being around people that have uh, kids with the same thing, going through the same thing, there is just like this, oh, you get it. I don't have to over explain it. I don't have to say no, just deep breathing doesn't work. You know, like I can, you know, they just already know and it's great. And so I want to add one thing though, to what you said and, 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 you know, knowing your lifelines, I would say to reach out to somebody if you think they need a lifeline too. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I happened to my, my, my son came to me and, and told me that one of his friends was, um, contemplating suicide and um, devastating. And so I had the, you know, I, I'm reeling, you know, just like you, right? Keeping a straight face, like, thank you for telling me. That's really brave of you to tell me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this information? I have to tell the mom, I have to tell the mom, right? And so, you know, I reached out to her and I just said like, anything I can do to help you. And I had a bunch of resources that I knew about from somebody else too, that are local resources and stuff. And so just like, I just said, look, you're not alone. You know, people I know are going through stuff like this and, you know, all of this. So, so I would say, you know, be a help if you can, you know, we're not always at the place where we can help others. Uh, but if you can, you know, asking for help and, and giving help, you bless both of you, really, right? You, you bless the person asking and you bless yourself because it feels good to help too. Absolutely. And our kids aren't the only ones who are struggling to make it. Like the book is making it what today's kids need for tomorrow's world. But man, as parents and as adults, you know, adulting is really hard right now. And parenting is really hard right now. And our kids... Mm -hmm. They need us and, and we need other people. We cannot do this alone. No, we absolutely cannot. And parenting is one of those enigmas where we have zero training for it, right? Zero training whatsoever. We have instructions for everything else. We train for every other job that we do, but we do not with parenting. And let alone, we don't know how to really truly parent and understand what's going on with kids' development, what's going on with their brain growth, all of those things for a typical child. What if you have a child with special needs? And what if you're in the middle of a global pandemic? Whoa, there's so much there. So it's okay to say, I'm struggling. It's okay to put your hand up and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. It's okay to say that too, because there are lots of us out here 
that want to help you, right? Lots of us. Absolutely. And, you know, Robin, like that, that is why I wrote the book because I kept hearing from, from fellow mamas and from educators and school leaders that like, we know things are changing. Like we can feel it and we don't know what to do. And so we just keep like playing the old records of what we think we're supposed to do. Okay. Let's get our kid through high school. Let's get them to graduate. Let's get it. Okay. This is when you try to get your kids in sports or, um, and it's, it is from the best place. Like we are doing the best we can with the knowledge that we have. And the reality is that, we needed an honest roadmap. So like the hope of making it was, I wanna give folks a really honest roadmap that actually the way that we have thought about it before, well, the way that most of us think about it is, okay, we have these, we have these kids, we're gonna raise them the best that we can. We've gotta get them through school to graduate, into university to graduate, then they should get a job, and then they should get better jobs and then they should save some money and they should become increasingly independent and eventually one day retire, have money in the bank and that's it. And there are like two fatal flaws there. One, that's a hugely inequitable um, way of being. It has always only worked for some, primarily folks who are white and wealthy, but now it's just like totally outdated because that's actually not the way that the world works. Um, and, and if we are doing the best we can with what we have, and we think that that is the way the world still works, our kids will not be helped by that. And neither will we, they will struggle because they're actually resources, what I call in the book are currencies that they need yeah. that we can actually help them at home and in the community as much as they can get it at school. Um, to prepare for a very different kind of world. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's so true. I mean, just the the path from, you know, elementary school, high school, college, university, job, and then that's it. it. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all anymore. And that job that you get does not ensure financial freedom necessarily either. And so really it's becoming more and more important to have some kind of a side hustle. You know, if you want wealth, uh, that one job is not necessarily going to get it for you. Right. So we, we have to address that situation too. So that's a really important thing. And, and here, here we are talking about the fact that you brought this to my attention uh, before we, we spoke that kids are living kids life expectancy now is towards being a hundred years old, that they can, that, that that's what they're expected to. And so, so that means we need to give them the tools to thrive. And we need to also, you know, we haven't really talked about kids' mental health because it's, so I want to get to that before we're, before we're done. Um, because this is all ties together, because if this is all kids know, and what are the messages we are sending to our kids? Like the, the world isn't right. Uh, this is messed up. Um, I remember back when things were so much better. Well, maybe they get the message that like, what's there to live for then? What's the point? And so that is also a message that we have to be really careful of sending our kids because there is a lot to live for. There is a lot of joy. There is a lot of beautiful things. And that's what 
thriving and being resilient is all about. Like I said before, right? Like leveling that negativity bias that we already have in our heads, in our brains, right? So, so let, can we talk a little bit about that and what kids really do need to thrive in this world? Yeah. So I just want to like highlight, underscore what you just said about like, what are the messages we're sending these kids? Yeah. Like yeah. in the last year, how many times have we have we assumed that this is always bad for them, that it's, the pandemic was terrible. Do not get me wrong, right? Like hear me for real, horrible, awful loss, incredible consequence. And yet in our house, we have talked about how it is the best of times and the worst of times. Like there have been some, we did these pop-up restaurants where I like cooked and decorated the house and it was, um, you know, mama's pizza or wasamami or whatever, like, and, and we've got pictures of that. And, um, we got this ridiculous, ridiculous, like $50 Walmart blow up, um, blue pool that looked like a blue belly. And like, that was our pool club. And, um, you know, you do what you have with the resources you have. And for us, it was the Walmart pool and the pop-up restaurants in the house that we live in. But um, what, what we talked about just last night at dinner as a family was this week, um, the week that we're recording, I got copies, physical copies of the book for the first time. But we also found out that a close cousin is on hospice. And I say that for a very specific reason. We made a decision as a family to hold grief in one hand and celebration in the other and to try hard not to diminish the quality of either. Mm -hmm. what, what does it look like to live in a moment in which there is grief mm -hmm. and there is something wonderful? And can they actually be companions to each other? Um, and I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves as parents is, can we get to know this world as much as we can and understand how it's operating because the rules are changing mm -hmm. to help our kids while also embracing that this is the one time our kids get to grow up? And how do we make that as rich and wonderful for them as we can with the limitations of our circumstances and our realities, um, and how do we how do we walk that road with them? You know, mm -hmm. so for me, to this question of mental health, on the one hand, I spoke with um, folks who who told me repeatedly that the number of kids who are questioning their life and and suicide and should I be here is just exponentially, exponentially rising. You know, we've got, we listen, all of us have to prepare for a mental health pandemic. This is real. It is happening. We are in the same way that Texas did not have the infrastructure for the physical damage. We do not have the infrastructure for the potential mental health damage. Um, so that is first. Absolutely. And so what I would just, right, like what I would offer as a as a tip is that um, you elevate in your house, cog so I'm gonna call it cognitive health or cognitive fitness. 
and that you actually prioritize it in the same way you would any kind of enrichment activities or extracurriculars. So our kids have to practice things that keep them healthy mentally and cognitively. There are a couple of, in the book, I offer some specific tips. And you know what, you and I were talking about this. So what I'm gonna do for your listeners um, and your followers is I'm gonna pick up some of those really practical, super free, super easy things that you can do. Um, and I'm gonna pull them together. It's gonna be totally customized just for, just for your crew um, yeah. and things that you can you know do right away. But um, so when you're thinking about what I call like being a currency builder, which is really working in that real anchored place for um, your young your young person, whether it's someone you're caring for, your biological kids, your kids' readiness and their well-being. So, are they going to be ready for the world as it is? And mm -hmm. then, how might they experience well-being? I would elevate this mental and cognitive health as much as you're thinking about. How are they eating during the pandemic? Are they still exercising? Are they getting outside, right? Are they rested? Okay, so here are some like super easy hacks. First thing, your kids need sleep. <laughs> if, you are, <laughs> if you are not, if your child is struggling with sleep, there is a cognitive feedback loop between rest and stress. And we know that stress is high. And so I would say, Number one, oxygen mask, your kid needs to be well rested mm. and you've got to figure it out. So if your kid is not well rested right now, figure it out. And I don't care in our house, we have a child who's on melatonin. We have found it to be safe um, essential oils. You do whatever it takes to get your child to sleep because that is going to not only impact stress, but also growth and development. And um, it's really significant for psychological health. The second is your kids have to be able to practice downtime. So uh, the ability to plug in and unplug, they need to practice being online and offline. And they have been online a lot because our homes became homeschools. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that the design of so much tech is designed to trigger anybody who has an addictive personality or anxiety. Um, and then, you know, that's not to talk, then you've got issues. I know you just had a show recently around cyberbullying and other pieces. Um, they, the reality is they need to they will be operating, they are digital natives, they will be operating online, but they've got to practice and it takes practice and it takes discipline. Um, and you can do it by instituting like good old fashioned fun. Like we're having a game night, we're playing Scrabble, we're right, like we're, we're playing cards, we're playing spoons, like what is it that we're doing? We are no, no tech Fridays, whatever. But um, there, there are plenty more tips in the book, but I would say, you know, if I had to isolate just like two things, those would be them. Your kid needs sleep. You need sleep, right? And you got yeah, unplugged. Yeah, and, and parents, let's be honest, we need good sleep habits too, because you you know that that is fundamental, right? Yeah, I love that yeah. though. And you know what's funny when you say good old fashioned? Um, we just bought, uh, well, not just uh, a little while ago, just a pickup sticks. Yes. 
and it's kind of hard. So, you know, uh, it was, you know, my, my, my little one and I played it and just loved it, but like, yeah, you're so right. Um, I love that. So sleep, rest, rest, equal uh, lack of rest equals stress and then downtime. So plug in and unplug. And you're right. I mean, there is so much going on online, uh, especially boys love that online world. It takes the social aspect out of it where they struggle in, you know, social cues and different things like that. Um, and, and yeah, this, this pandemic has, I know my kids are on their devices a lot more. Um, I'm not, you know, happy about it. And, you know, um, and it's a struggle. It's a struggle here too. I mean, my kids are teenagers, right? And so they are primed for this, right? So, um, so I think that's all so incredibly helpful. Stephanie, you are just incredible. I'm hanging off every word that you have to say. And I don't think this is the last time we speak. I really hope that you will come back and talk more about this. This is the most, this is one of the most important conversations that I've had because we all need to recognize what the world is going to look like, even though we don't have a crystal ball, we need to at least prepare for some of this and, and also make sure that we check in with ourselves first uh, and make sure we're okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree. You know, and the last thing I'll say, Robin is like, for those of us who are not living in a warm climate, the dark days of winter are here and it's hard and these things are harder um, and so I just want to offer one other piece of advice. So when this comes out March 9th, all over, um, all over the states, and I'm sure across Canada too, we're still having conversations around reopening our schools. What do we do about the lost time? Um, mm -hmm. And so I just want to offer one more radical recommendation. And this has a lot of sort of um, knowing yourself as a parent and what you know is right. And that is back to the beginning of our conversations, our kids have lost a lot of school time, but they've lost a lot more than that too, right? That we've just established that in the conversation. And what I would say is all of the extras, art, theater, music, youth development, play, athletics, playing games, um, you know, I'm sure I'm missing somebody's going to be like, oh, you missed my thing. But um, yeah, yeah. building, you know, all of the extracurricular enrichment things, they're essential. So, and if you, if you are just, you know, if you turn down your volume because you were doing something else and you know the show is about to end and you're hearing me hear this, the extras are essential and mm -hmm. they could even be more important than just getting, well, no, I think in my experience, they are more important than making up for missed schoolwork. Um, mm -hmm. The learning and development will happen if the development and growth is happening, like your kids gotta be healthy. And so that would be the last thing I would say, if you are having to figure out, do I take my kids one, you know, his basketball away because he's getting an F in remote school. The answer is always in this moment and for the foreseeable future, the extras, the enrichment, the extracurricular essential. It's not extra, it's essential. Unfortunately, too often it's expensive. It's essential. Um, and, and so choose that. Wow. Okay. Thank you for leaving us on that note. That is really important to hear. Really important to hear. Thank you for that. And I just want to draw attention to your, so your, your book is making it what today's kids need for tomorrow's world. And so people can get that everywhere. 
They can, they can get it anywhere they want. Um, and I would say if you want to, if you're in the States and you want to throw some love toward your independent bookstores, you can go to bookstore.org um, and you can choose your local bookstore if you want to prime it or do Kindle. Amazon is an option for you. Regular bookstores should all be able to buy it. Um, and then you can also find me and my family's adventures through the pandemic on Instagram. I'm, I'm friends with Robin now and um, that's, that's yeah, that's Wander and Wayfinding, and um, I'm on Twitter as well. But I would love if folks got the book, um, and you just go and buy it wherever you buy your books. That's awesome. And I just need to say, you have so much more delicious content. Like, I could spend a day on your site, One of and you have these blog posts and articles. You've written for Scary Mommy. You've done, you do so much great work. And one of my favorite uh, articles that you, that you wrote is the 12-step program, slogans that can heal a COVID-19 world. I love it so much. I'll just tease it. I won't tell you what it's all about, but it's really great. And, and Stephanie, so your website is stephaniemaliakraus.com. Uh, and, uh, and I just have to say, it has been my absolute joy and pleasure to have you here. You, uh, like I said, when I introduced you, you, you are a subject matter expert. It is very clear that you are. And I know that both myself and my listeners are absolutely going to love everything that you have to say. So thank you so much for being here and adding so much value to the world, uh, to the world in, in general and to, to help us parents because we need it. We do need it, Robin. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.